On this week's episode of Life and Lessons, I give you another update on my running. I explain why a scratch on my car made me question the entire premise of happiness. And I speak about why the direction of travel is the most important metric in your life. what is going on? Welcome to this episode number 164 of Life and Lessons. I'm Sean Spooner and if you're new here, here's what you need to know. This podcast is a place where I share the lessons I wish I knew sooner. Think of this as me learning out loud, sometimes on my own and sometimes joined by the most interesting people I know. The only thing that's guaranteed with this podcast is that every time you press play, you're going to learn something new. Now, I need to begin in very familiar territory right now by apologizing because once again, as has been the case so many times this year, there hasn't been a podcast in a long time. I think this might actually be the longest I have unintentionally gone without releasing an episode. I think it's been three weeks, maybe, since the last solo episode like this, and about two weeks since the last guest episode. It has been a while. Things have been busy, but the good news is that I'm still alive and we're back. So hello, it's good to be here. Thanks for being here. Apologies as always. Um, As a quick side note, without getting too meta and talking about the podcast on the podcast like I do all the time, there is no YouTube video this week. There won't be for at least the next few weeks as I try and reschedule my life in such a way where I'm able to make this podcast happen more consistently. The easiest low hanging fruit is to just remove the video element of the solo episodes for a while because that takes like two and a half hours extra every single Thursday and is definitely the the thing that's currently getting in the way of making this as easy as possible to get out whilst I'm busy. There'll be a time in the future where I'm less busy. There'll be a time where I can outsource it or find a new workflow or God knows what. But at least for the next few weeks, these episodes here won't be on YouTube. The guest episodes on those infrequent Wednesdays will still be on YouTube. And so too, of course, will the YouTube videos that I produce but these episodes will not. So if you're looking for them, come to Spotify, come to Apple Podcasts, come to wherever it is you're listening to this right now, because by virtue of the fact that you're listening to it, you found it. So here we are. Um, Speaking of guest episodes, a couple of weeks ago, you would have heard my chat with Danny Buck. That was a different to usual episode in the sense that you probably noticed by now that I tend to find authors to speak to because in one way or another, once somebody has gone through the process of writing 406 pages on a topic, they're fairly knowledgeable, right? They have gone through the test of researching and becoming knowledgeable in an area, building their expertise, kind of understanding the wider climate of what they're speaking about. And therefore they typically make really good podcast guests. Danny doesn't have a book. I mean, he does have a book, but it's like a short ebook and it's not what I would call like a book, so to speak. But he has a really interesting story, right? He has built a series of brands, most notably Crafted London, who do tens of millions of pounds of revenue every single year. And you have almost definitely seen their products out in the wild. The second you start to spot their products, you notice them everywhere. And so beginning to speak to operators like that, right? whether it is business people or athletes or just anybody out there who's doing something interesting, who can share life lessons, right? Talk about their life and share the lessons they have learned so far, as is the premise of this podcast. That'll be fun. That'll be interesting. And so moving outward slightly from 
focusing in too much on authors, staying in the same subject areas, obviously, but just speaking to more people is kind of the aim of the game for the second half of this year. Um, I've been speaking to a few people recently in the hope of getting them on sometime soon. And I also, sorry, I've gone very meta again, but I also really want to get back to recording episodes in person. That chat, which I had at the end of last year with Paul Mort up in Sunderland, there was just something about being able to sit across the table from somebody and actually look in their eye and speak to them without there being a two second delay on a video call and everybody's a bit pixelated and it's hard to kind of bounce off of each other without it being awkward. That kind of dynamic I think brings out a lot more in those conversations. I certainly get a lot more from it. I'm not sure about you. So trying to pull together dates when I'll be in, you know, London, Manchester, Birmingham, whatever, to sit down with a bunch of people within a couple of days of each other and have some in-person conversations. That is a kind of side quest of mine right now when it comes to guest episodes. Um, But yeah, like I say, it's been busy. I've been up to a lot, nothing overly exciting, just kind of day-to-day business operations. And then my mum was in Cardiff for a few days last week, which means I was all over the place uh, in the office for half days, traveling to and from Cardiff every day. Um, So yeah, been trying this week to get back into the flow of things. And of course, that includes the flow of content. So on Monday, I recorded an episode of Undeveloped Thoughts with Adam Horton and Peter Watson, the podcast, which we did two episodes of about two years ago, and then never got around to really sticking to it. Um, We were chatting in the group chat a few weeks ago, and I don't know who recommended it. Maybe it was Adam. He was like, should we just jump on a video call one day and start that podcast again? And I know I get a huge amount of value from chatting to those two. Like they are really at the top of their game in what they're doing. Peter now lives out in Dubai. He basically moved his entire life out to Dubai a few months back. And so covering that off on the podcast, having a quick chat about business and where we're at in life, it was just a lot of fun. It was therapeutic. And so you'll hear that sometime soon. I did that on Monday. I also recorded a bunch of short form content on Monday evening here in the office. Um, I recorded this podcast today, as you can hear, because we're listening to it for once. Uh, And then I'm going to bang out a few YouTube videos on Sunday. So trying really to get back into having a schedule for this part of my life um, in such a way where things balance out, right? If you've seen my video on YouTube about what I call the Jenga productivity method, that is adding things into your life until such a point where your schedule topples over, right? When you realize, actually, I am now at this point doing too much because I've added in, say, the sixth most important thing, right? I'm I'm going to the gym and I'm running and I'm running the business and I'm getting enough sleep. And then I add in content production and it falls over. It's like, cool. Okay. It's, it's the content production piece of this, which is causing my schedule to topple over. So I've been kind of practicing what I preach in that sense, right? Pulling something away when things got very busy, that being the content. It's my aim right now to kind of adjust my schedule to make it all fit a bit more because I don't know about you with your life, but I suspect that you will agree with this, right? If you look back, say, five years ago, 10 years ago, and you think about what responsibilities you had back then, what you needed to get done in any given week, right? Who who relied on you, what your responsibilities were, what your, even things like your outgoings were, right? And you compare all of that to where you are today. You'll realize probably, hopefully, I hope this for you, you'll realize that you have many more responsibilities today compared to five or 10 years ago. And lots more people look to you and you get more done in your day. And, 
you know, there's just more going on in your life. And it's not because you have found more hours in the day, right? It's not because you're suddenly not sleeping. At least I hope not. It's not because you have, you know, managed to bend time and have more hours than everybody else. It's because we're all really good in the slightly longer term of adjusting to new pressures on our schedules, right? And we all have a limit. I'm not suggesting that we are limitless when it comes to what we can get done. But what I am suggesting is that if I rewind, say, six months for every six months for the past five years, my life is slightly unrecognizable compared to where it was six months prior each time around, if that makes sense, right? I'm adding more and more in. I'm, I'm pushing for more. I'm saying yes to more opportunities, whatever it might be. And there is that kind of teething time where it's difficult and nothing fits in. But then I'll look up two months later, like right now with trying to do more in the business, I'll look up two months from now and the podcast will be going out consistently, right? And everything I need to get done in my daily schedule will be getting done and the running will be going well and I'll be going to the gym and this and that. And that will then become the new baseline and then something else will get thrown in and everything will go into a bit of a spin, but then I'll look up and that will be the new baseline. And so I guess what I'm saying is the the period of my life I'm in right now, as I move slowly but surely towards 30, less than a thousand days now, and I try and just cram more in, right? Get more done, squeeze more juice out of life between now and the end of this decade of mine. I feel like there will be moments in time where things feel hectic, but then they correct. And so that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm in the the slow correction phase of just finding my feet with everything to, to balance myself and then push again and then balance myself and push again. If that made any sense, that made sense to me, but I was very much thinking out loud as I said that. Um, let me give you a little running update because I had a second injury, which made me not run for another like two weeks. So actually, since we last spoke, I've hardly done any runs. I think I did a couple of 5Ks and then a very unconvincing like one hour, three minute 10K a few weeks back. And then I did a hill run, which ruined some other tendon in my foot. Like the, I don't even know what it's called, the tendon that connects your big toe to like your ankle. So it runs up the entire top of your foot. And that was weird. My toe was like creaking loudly and it hurt very much. But I basically learned the lesson from last time. I decided not to run at all for a couple of weeks to allow it to heal rather than trying to run on it and then being kind of out of action for four or five weeks. So I did that. And then last night, the night before, I went for my first 5K back and it was really, really enjoyable. Like, I can't express how excited I am about the prospect of being able to run for long distances on demand just because I fancy it. Because I think that the run that I did this week, although it was horrible in the moment, don't get me wrong, if you've ever done any running in your life, you'll know that there are those moments where your mind is absolutely screaming at you to stop, right? For me, when running a 5K, it happens around the three to three and a half kilometer mark my mind is like, you could just stop now, right? This, for example, this, uh, this run that I was following on the nightcap said that for that recovery run, I only actually needed to run for 15 minutes. And so 20 minutes in, 22 minutes in, 24 minutes in, my mind was like, fucking stop running. You don't need to. It's okay. Give up. Because 
I can't describe it other than to say your mind plays tricks on you when you're running. And I had those moments on the run the other day, but actually it was really quite pleasant overall. I tried to run with no earphones. I've been doing that for a few weeks now, or probably about a month and a half, two months. So rather than running with earphones and music and, you know, if, if a song is pushing you along, but then the next song isn't as good, you kind of feel a bit like deflated. I just sit with my thoughts and I focus on my breath and I, you know, try and really hone in on what is happening physically to, to push me through. And I find it so much easier. And so running around that park the other night at like 8 p.m. or 8.30 as it was just before it closed um, with the sun slowly setting, just almost talking to myself in my head, pushing myself through, those five kilometers flew by. And that run was the first time where I was like, whoa, okay. I can see how this becomes quite easy, quite quickly. And I say quite quickly, I've been running three times a week, every week since February, if you ignore the injury periods, but that's not that long a period of time, really. It was like 60 seconds of running back then would kill me. I was ruined. My heart rate would be like 197 BPM from 60 seconds of running. And now I'm running continuously for 5K, 6K, 7K. and it's all right. Don't get me wrong. My heart rate's still fairly high. It's difficult, but it's really enjoyable. So I started the Nike Running Club training program from 5k to half marathon on that run that I just spoke about. That's going to take 14 weeks, providing I don't injure myself again, again. And then that'll bring me to like two or three weeks out from the Cardiff half marathon. So that'll essentially be the entire training block that I go through between now and that half marathon. The Just Giving page, by the way, if you didn't listen to the Danny Buck episode, you may not know this is now live. I finally got around to creating it a few weeks ago. Um, please do, if you can, donate a little bit of money for the Alzheimer's Society. Doesn't help me. It just helps everybody because we're all going to rely on their work or research, either for ourselves or one of our loved ones at some point in the future. What they do is really important. I'm trying to raise two and a half thousand pounds for them. It is just an arbitrary high number that I pulled out of thin air. Um, but as close to that as we can get, that would be amazing. So it's going to be the top link in this podcast's show notes. If you can head over there and donate wherever you can, I would really appreciate it. Five of you already have. So thank you to Kevin, Neve, Matthew, Paul, and Jack who have clicked on that link and donated what they can. It's really encouraging to see that number very slowly tick up. Don't get me wrong. We are still a very long way away from Cardiff Half Marathon. It doesn't feel like it for me, but I suppose when people see me promoting something that doesn't happen until October, I understand the hesitancy for people to donate here in like May. So we'll get there. I'm confident that we will move closer and closer towards that donation target number as we get closer to October. But in the meantime, if you can just click on that link, donate what you can, and it will help me power through my miserable summer runs. Because for example, tonight, as soon as I finish recording this podcast, I'm going to go and do the next run in that Nike training program, which is like speed run intervals. So running at a challenging pace for 60 seconds, then a recovery run for 60 challenge, recovery, challenge, recovery for like eight rounds of that in what is very hot weather right now. Like I'm in the office and it's 10 past six at night and it's still really, really hot. So that's going to be fun. So if you can, please donate. It will get me through. If you can't, thanks anyway. We will have some fun over the next 16 or so weeks before the Cardiff Half Marathon. Now, this is a really random one and I couldn't decide whether I was even going to talk about this because it sounds so random's the word, but I thought it was an interesting mindset, right? So the other day I was driving through Corby and I had to drive over a speed bump 
And because there were cars parked on either side of the road, I had to go like directly over the speed bump and the underside of my car like scratched on it and I heard this noise and I thought nothing of it. And then the next day when I was carrying stuff out to my car, I noticed this absolutely fucking massive directional scratch on the bottom of my bumper on the front. Probably like 30 centimeters long, big scratch, pain missing. I thought, oh no. And then for a few moments, I was annoyed. I thought, well, my, my car's damaged now, so I like it less, right? I, I, I'm less content with the car now because I have just damaged it on a speed bump. And therefore, because it's damaged, I must like it less because that's how it works, right? I'm obviously oversimplifying it, but that's essentially what the mindset was. But then I thought, hold on, I'm, I'm not sure how that section of the car, although it looks like a directional scratch, like it's hit a curb or whatever, I'm not sure how that section of the car would have been damaged if I went over the speed bump in the way I did. So I thought, what I'll do, I'll just go and look at the photos I took on the day I collected the car and see if it's always been there. And it has. So I was like, wait, do, do I like the car less or not? Because I feel like I like the car less because I've noticed these scratches, but actually since the day I picked up the car, I've loved it. And the scratches have always been there. So does discovering something which has always been there suddenly begin to impact my feelings towards a possession? And the reason I ask this question, the reason I think it's interesting is because actually when you take it in a slightly less literal sense, it's kind of analogous to how we approach lots of things, right? Like if you're in a relationship and you suddenly begin to be annoyed by, I don't know, a personality trait of the person you're in a relationship with because you begin to notice it. Maybe some, somebody's pointed out a way they speak to you. Maybe, I don't know, you've had a conversation, now you can't unnotice something. Can you truly actually be any less happy because you've noticed something that's always been there, something which was there all the while whilst you were happy, right? The same in your job or how you feel about your appearance or whether you need a new possession. And I think it's a really interesting question and I don't know the answer, but it sent me into this, this kind of train of thought, which I thought was really interesting to share, which is I genuinely for like 45 minutes was convinced that I was less happy with the car now, that it was damaged, that in some way I couldn't look at it the same because I'd driven over this speed bump and how could I do that? And that's so annoying and I should have just driven over it slightly differently. And then I was like, wait, it's always been there. It has always been there and I've always looked at it and I've always been happy with the car. And therefore, just because I've noticed it's there, I can't really be less happy. And I'm not, like, I've kind of reconciled that I don't care. I don't think I would have cared really anyway. It's a fairly minor scratch that you could hardly see. But does that logic make sense? That there are going to be things that you spot about the people around you or yourself or how you feel or, I don't know, your business or your job or your possessions that have always been there and they have coexisted with your happiness. And just because you spot them, it doesn't mean that you need to allow them to affect your happiness, right? You can realize that there is this undercurrent of happiness that's always been there and just get on with it. Does that make any sense? I'm not sure if that makes any sense, which is why I was hesitant to speak about it. But to me, it does because there's this like, thing that costs tens of thousands of pounds that I thought I liked less because there was a scratch on it. But then I felt a bit silly when I realized the scratch had always been there because then it froze into question whether or not I was unhappy at all. It's interesting. I don't know. I'll move on. But I thought it was interesting. Maybe you do too. Maybe you don't. But this is where we're at. This is where we're at on the podcast now. I'm just thinking out loud. And speaking of thinking out loud, actually, something else I want to speak about is a 
video I published the other day, which got quite a few interesting comments. It was just a little short form 60 second thing about how I wish people would stop calling everything toxic because it's like there is this group of people on the internet who want you to believe that any sort of progress, that any sort of aspiration, that any sort of attainment is in quote marks toxic because when you have aspiration or when you achieve or attain something, what you're really doing is holding up a mirror to those who haven't, right? And it's such an easy get out to be like, oh, well, that's toxic, right? Ambition is fine, obviously. And so too is a lack of ambition. Productivity is fine. And so too is a lack of productivity. Going to the gym is fine, but it's also fine not to. Wanting to read books or learn new things is fine, but it's also fine to not want to learn or read, right? There are two sides to every single one of those trade-offs, right? You can either progress or not. You can either go at it in this year of your life or not. You can either kind of push or take it easy. They're both fine. They're both valid, but at least in my experience, there's only one side of each of those trade-offs that catches flack, right? That causes people to almost make those who want to do more feel like they're bad people, like they're flawed people, like they have something lacking. I can't, I can't believe you're working on that business. That's such toxic productivity. That's toxic. Like not only does calling something toxic, not adding anything to the debate, but actually it holds everybody back. It holds back in some way those who want to progress their lives because they're suddenly made to feel on the internet by strangers in comment sections that they're doing something wrong, right? You can't be productive if you're told it's toxic, right? You can't be this if you're told it's that. But it also, I think, holds back those who are calling everything toxic, saying that everybody's flawed because they're not doing anything productive or worthwhile whilst they say that. They're just kind of mirroring a story that they have told themselves. It's so easy to have a judgment of others, which stops you from having to address your own desires or your own wishes or your own fears or your own inadequacies, right? It's so much easier to be like, I opt out of trying to better myself. I opt out of changing my physique for the better. I opt out of trying to improve my health. I opt out of trying to learn more because it's easier to have that cynicism, like I spoke about a few weeks back, and pretend that you don't even play that game. And because you don't play that game, you don't need to pay attention to the metrics of the game, which by the way, the metrics of the game are usually improving your life, feeling better about yourself, being more useful to those around you. And therefore, you have to, in some way, counter the narrative that all of those things are good by calling it toxic. I just think it's lazy, right? If people want to have an actual debate about the merits of working hard or, I don't know, delaying gratification or working on your body or improving your health or saving money rather than spending it so that you can have a handle on your finances or whatever it might be, debate the merits of it. Don't just call things toxic. I think it's lazy. I don't think it helps anybody. And it really doesn't add anything to the debate. And then I think just quickly, the last thing I want to touch on, because it's kind of a conversation I've been having with myself recently, as everything has been so up in the air, is the importance of recognizing that so long as your direction of travel is correct, everything else is kind of secondary, right? Because any habit that you have ever wanted to stick to, anything good you've ever wanted to do, anything you've ever wanted to achieve, there are going to be days where you miss. There are going to be weeks when you miss. There are going to be entire blocks of your life when you slow down or give up or stop. And in the moment when that happens, 
trust me, it's really easy to think that you failed, right? If you say you're going to go to the gym this year three times a week and it's May and you haven't been in two months, it's really easy to be like, shit, I failed. But you only need to zoom out slightly to see those three days a week that you went in January, in February, in March, right? When you would have went, I don't know, 25 times more than you otherwise would have done if you didn't travel in the correct direction. And I don't need to tell you, particularly on a week like this, there have been so many times where I have paused or divvered or slowed down or missed a week with things like the podcast or periods in the business where we just haven't pushed as hard as we could have done or side projects or even parts of the business that we were going to launch and then decided not to or my fitness, which is the most up and down thing you could ever see or reading books, right? All of these things. There've been blocks of time where I just haven't progressed. And so in those moments, I, I actually believe, even though I know this not to be true, I believe I'm like, oh, I failed. Oh, I'm not progressing. La, la, la. You just need to zoom out a little bit and then zoom out again. So look at your life from the scale of maybe two to four years. So long as your direction of travel is correct, it's really, really, really hard not to make progress, not to make recognizable progress on that kind of scale, right? Do I go to the gym as often as I tell myself I need to? No. Is my physique different to four years ago? Yes, absolutely. Do I read as many books as I want to? Not even close. Do I know a hell of a lot more now than I did four years ago? Definitely. Do I put in every minute and every hour and do I remain completely focused on the business for every second I could? No, not even close. Is the business way further ahead on almost every metric compared to four years ago? Yes. And the reason for all of those and any other example you could throw at me right now is because of the direction of travel, right? It is the consistency over perfection thing I always speak about, but giving yourself a bit more of a break inside of that consistency. You can be really consistent for two weeks and then have a week off and then be really consistent for two weeks again. And there will be a personal trainer listening to this who will tell you that's terrible for your physique. There will be a, I don't know, a finance planner listening to this who will tell you that that's a terrible way to save. There will be a business consultant listening to this who will tell you that's not the way to grow your business, but it's sustainable is way more sustainable than giving up completely, right? And it's way more sustainable than becoming completely demoralized because you believe that the second you stop, you have failed, you have not. The direction of travel when you zoom out and live life on a scale of years determines almost everything because you have to be a very, very particular kind of person to actually be able to wake up every single day and get done what you need to every day And feel like you've left it all on the field, as they say, fully gone all out, followed your to-do list, not had a break, not given up, not scrolled Instagram every single day for years. I don't know anybody who can live their life like that. And yet I know some very, very successful people, right? I know people whose bank accounts have several commas in them, who have weeks off, who have months where they can't be bothered, who have years where their life just doesn't go to plan who are flawed and imperfect, but understand that when they zoom out, when they're living their life by, am I going in the right direction rather than am I moving at full speed consistently, they get there. And so I think it's just important to point that out because it's kind of been a theme of the last few weeks of my life where everything's been a bit all over the place, but I need to recognize that four years from now, this will be one of those points where I realized that I was still heading in the right direction, right? The business is growing. The podcast, although infrequently, is still going out. 
I'm still getting those runs in. I'm still going to the gym when I can. I'm still trying to eat healthily. I'm still trying to learn and find the time to read books and this and that because I understand the importance of the direction of travel. I think that is everything I have. This has been a very, very patchy episode. Trying to even remember how to speak into a microphone after three weeks. It sounds silly, but when you haven't done this for three weeks, and also I'm sat in a different place to normal right now because I'm not filming it, so it's just a little bit more kind of patchy anyway. This is unusual, but thank you as always for listening. I really appreciate you sticking by when there are big gaps like there have been. And hopefully, all being well, I'll see you this time next week for episode number 165 of Life and Lessons. See you then. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 